The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now, on the line, we've got Louise Larkin, who is the Chief of Inclusion at Friend in Me, and I want to hear about the work that they do. Uh, Louise, good morning. Thank you for being on the program. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me nice and early on a Monday. Well, good to have you here. Um, Talk to us about Friend in Me. First of all, how did it start? So we're an um, Australia-registered charity, and I spent a lot of my working years in uh, a senior level in a corporate role. And one day I was driving to work uh, on the way to my corporate job, and there was a beautiful mother that had called into a radio station um, in tears, basically, about her little boy who had a party and no one turned up. Mm. So I thought, Wow, that like literally my heart just broke. I had one little girl at the time. I'm a mum of three now, but I had one little girl at the time and I thought to myself, imagine that was my little girl that was organising a party and no one turned up. So I thought, I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to have a party for little boys and girls who've never been to one or never been able to have one. And that's how it all started. It's incredible. And how big is the issue here where um, children are facing barriers towards social inclusion? Well, if we want to talk pre-COVID, you know, the statistics were one in six children were feeling excluded from their peers or in their schools. And look, I can't even imagine what that statistic is now with COVID and so many children and teenagers and adults feeling excluded and feeling so isolated, which then, of course, leads on to all these horrible mental health issues as these children get into their teenage and adult years. So how do you resolve that problem? What sorts of work do you do? So we want to be the preventative organisation, I guess. We just want these children to feel included. So how it all began was we would run events. So we would run sensory-friendly events and workshops and have that face-to-face magic where these children can come and bring their whole self and be exactly who they who they are, no matter their abilities, no matter what diagnoses they may have, um, to all come together and feel like they can just be like everybody else. Then, of course, COVID hit and we haven't been able to run a face-to-face event for two years and that was our mainstream of fundraising to come through. So, you know, I could have sat down during our peak COVID period in Victoria last year and thought, you know, I'll just wait for the COVID world to pass on by. Unfortunately, we're still sitting here. So what I did last year... Um, I decided to do virtual parties for children. So we have a team of characters, uh, your princesses and superheroes. And I thought, let's join the virtual world and let's do some face-to-face parties. And since the pandemic, our team has done over 600 virtual parties for children. That's incredible. In terms of sensory-friendly events, which you were running before COVID, what is a sensory-friendly event? So our events are quite loud. There's a, they're very high energy um, and there's a lot going on. But we always make sure that we have a dedicated room that 
can bring down that pace. A lot of our children are on the spectrum, so they're living with autism or ADHD, and they can get very overwhelmed in these environments. So we have to read the situations and be able to manage the situations because we want these children to be able to come and enjoy our events but we also have to appreciate that it may be too much for them. Um, so we have spaces where we have headphones for the children, where they can just have some time out. We have dedicated bean bags from our company, uh, our partners who provide um, sensory friendly uh, equipment for the children to come down. Um, so we make sure that we really um, appreciate those children and give them the opportunity to have that space. And we also do smaller events as well. When we were able, I get a little bit sad when we talk about events because we mm. haven't been able to do it for a couple of years. And it's really hard because these children were really relying on this, these social groups and these things like this to be able to be out in the community and being together and learning how to make friends. And on the flip side, the other children to be able to understand them and welcome them in. Um, so it's, it's really tricky to talk about it because we haven't been able to do that lately. But we are getting a lot of rewards from the virtual parties. And, you know, I have a lot of families that apologise. Oh, I'm so sorry if my, uh, we want to do a virtual call, but we're not sure how my son's going to react. Doesn't matter. If they run off and they don't want to be a part of it or if they, you know, that's not expected, that's okay because we just let the child dictate how the call's going to go and we just work with them however they feel appropriate. It seems that sensory-friendly environments are on the rise. I don't know how big this was sort of five, ten years ago, but now, you know, for example, you see supermarkets having dedicated hours where they turn down the music and some of the noises so it's not quite as overwhelming. And I know here locally in Geelong uh, at the football stadium, they've got sensory rooms that you can go into when the crowd noise and some of the other stimuli just becomes a bit too much. So it seems to be something that a lot of people are embracing, but it's certainly not that I can recall was around just five, ten years ago. Absolutely not. And then, you know, this is where these children were being excluded because if I was a neurotypical kid, I didn't understand why that little boy was having a meltdown or was, you know, had a sensory overload. So they may have been labelled, oh, that's a naughty kid or don't don't play with little Johnny because he's the naughty boy. You know, they were just very, very misunderstood, I think, met five, ten years ago and even prior to that, even more so. So as you said, like I think Geelong Football Club were one of the first stadiums to create this sensory-friendly room. And I just really hope that everyone starts following suit just so we can really be the advocates for these children so they can, you know, live a really fulfilling life too. In terms of the online events, how has that gone, the transition? You sort of mentioned that maybe some kids are a bit reluctant to do it virtually. Has that been the experience or have most people uh, got on board and it ends up being quite similar to running an in-person event? Well, I think, you know, when they're sitting there and they see their favourite superhero or their favourite princess, they get a little bit, you know, starstruck and they, they take to it. And a lot of our families, and I very much read the situation, so I just moderate the calls and I very much read what the child's doing. So if I think they are looking like they're a bit overwhelmed or they are resisting a little bit, I bring it down a notch, you know, I won't sort of 
keep the energy super high with dancing and everything. I make sure I talk really quietly and I try and gauge what they're looking for. So I might say, did you get some presents for your birthday? And then they'll start opening up and showing some presents and things like that. So look, nine times out of 10, the calls are super successful. And I think that's why we've been able to do so many over the past 18 months. And, you know, we've been able to stay in front of people and, and still be able to bring that joy and that magic to these children. Are you concerned about the situation with COVID now because it seemed that last year it didn't spread quite so quickly amongst children, so things like schools and childcare were able to operate, but now it seems to be a whole different ball game. Is that going to jeopardise the nature of your events going forward and do you think you may be online for some time to come? Absolutely. I mean, I we, we rescheduled our major fundraising event, which... You know, the two years ago when we did our last event held over 2,000 people. So we rescheduled it to November this year and I obviously cancelled it because I wasn't feeling comfortable. And it's quite scary to think, you know, where the events are heading and whether we'll be able to do that. But also we have to appreciate that this new spread that we're talking about is going through these children. So... 2,000 kids in an event isn't going to be suitable if that's what the case is. But I'm extremely happy that we can still keep in touch with them virtually and, you know, really grow on this platform um, as needed because it still means that we're changing their little worlds and it still means that we're being their voice for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just rolling with it and I'm going with what society's throwing at us and how we can keep managing it. Well, good luck with it. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing the story about the charity. It does, I think, very important work and hopefully we get out of the COVID situation, as we all say, uh, sooner rather than later. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much and I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you very much. Louise Larkin with us there, the Chair of Inclusion at Friend in Me, which runs sensory-friendly events, but of course has now been forced to move online. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.